Hey, church family and online audience, thanks so much for uh, tuning in. Uh, here in just a few minutes, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, and I hope you already have enjoyed the worship music uh, so far this morning. But before we jump into Luke 12, uh, let me tell you a couple things uh, right off the bat. First of all, obviously, it's been a crazy last, you know, 72 hours uh, or so. Um, and let me reiterate why the Biltmore Church leadership team felt it was best to, for at least this weekend, and we'll evaluate every uh, every single week, but at least for this weekend, to move the services uh, online at all six of the Biltmore Church uh, campuses in Western North Carolina. All right, really two reasons, because you, you've got a number of different uh, scriptures that could ap apply, and, and people are like, well, why don't you just have faith? Why don't you just have faith? Don't we don't want to live in fear. We do want to live in faith, but our faith is in um, the God of the Bible and what the God of the Bible says. And he's got some guidelines and some commandments and some things for us to pay attention to when we're trying to make wise decisions. And two of them would be this. One of them would be um, we want to support our local and our state and our national leaders. Romans 13 says we should do that. And uh, they've not asked us to do something that is contrary to the word of God, to take a, a little hiatus and, and worship a little bit of a, of a different way. And the second reason is, is your health is very, very, very important. Philippians 2 says to consider other people's other people before ourselves, and this is a way to do that, uh, particularly the most vulnerable uh, in our uh, community. So again, uh, we want to be sensitive to that. We know it's a tough decision, but the Bible says, or we always say at the end of Biltmore Church Services, you are loved and you are sent. All right, you're loved and you're sent. And oftentimes throughout history, what God has done is taken a very difficult situation and sent his church out and great things have come from that. So don't forget, uh, the church is not the building, the church is you and you are sent out to your friends and family and neighbors and subdivisions and workplaces and all of that stuff. And so um, until we can jump back and get all back together again at the different physical locations, we wanna resource you as best we possibly can. So let me give you a couple things before we jump into the text. First of all, if you've got kids, uh, go to builtmorechurch.com parents, and you can, even today, you can see uh, some curriculum there that you can talk about this lesson, this text uh, with your kids and have a, you're, you're the discipler. So disciple your kids and this is a tool that you can have. Uh, secondly, we're working on getting communication. If you're in an adult small group and there's connect group, there's about 60% of uh, the people that attend Biltmore regularly are in a connect group. If, you, if you're not in a connect group, want to be or are interested in one, just text the word connect to 28282 and we can get you plugged in uh, to that one. And then lastly, uh, every morning this week, and until this thing, until uh, we go back to the, to the normal schedules, uh, every week, every weekday starting at 7 a.m. on the Biltmore Facebook page and the Biltmore Instagram page, there'll be a five-minute devotional from one of our pastors just to give you a great start to your day. So again, uh, 7 a.m., uh, Biltmore Instagram, Biltmore Facebook page, uh, trying to resource you there. All right, so obviously last uh, few days have been uh, somewhat crazy. You've got stocks that you know, are fluctuating. You have got hospitals that are filling up. You've got airports that are uh, empty. In many cases, you have got our illusion of we having us having everything in control that is popping. All that being said, uh, I want to take a little hiatus from the series we've been in in Romans 8 and look at a text that's one of the most awesome passages that Jesus ever taught on. And it's really about just a couple of things to remember uh, when things go crazy. And that's what things have been. And uh, I'm going to again be in Luke 12. And we're going to start actually in verse 22 in a few minutes, but I'm going to make a, a little adjustment. I want to read you the ending and then we're going to go to the beginning and work our way through. 
If you're new to Biltmore Church, here's what we do. We just teach from the Bible. And what that means is we'll usually stay in one passage for the entirety of uh, the morning. And that one passage, we'll read a couple of verses, say a few comments, make a story or an illustration, read a few more verses, story, illustration, application, and that's what we do, all right? So, but this one is gonna be very, very simple to follow, but it's really based off a verse I had never really noticed before. All right, I'm sure I'd read it a hundred times. I'd not noticed it really until it popped out earlier this week, even before we planned these services. But here it is, Luke 12, 32. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Three massive truths in just that one verse right there. He says, fear not, little flock. It's talking about God as a shepherd, for it is your father's good pleasure. He's talking about he's a father, but then it says to give you the kingdom that he's a king. So it's God's a shepherd, God is a father, and God is a king. And what I'm gonna do is gonna say the first two of those talk about the fact that the goodness of God, that God is good. God is good, God cares. He is a guiding shepherd, he is an adopting father. And the third one about him being a king is, it's not just that he's good, but that he's great. This great king is sovereign, he can do it, he is a king that loves us, he's a king that rules over us. And here's what I want you to understand is both are super important. This is really what makes biblical Christianity distinct from every other religion in the world. Because biblical Christianity says he's both. He's both good and he is great. And again, both are important because if you get off base on any of those things, then it gets really bad in a hurry. There's, I don't even think they have these anymore, but there used to be, I know when I was growing up, they'd have these things on the playground called seesaws. Right, seesaws, I'm sure they've been outlawed now, but seesaws were awesome back then. Basically what that is is a plank with a balance thing in the middle. And you know, if you were mischievous, you'd get like a real heavy person and a real light person and you'd like send that guy into orbit. But ideally, the way they work is you've got relatively the same weight, so you can go back and forth, back and forth, and even even it out and talk if you want to. And what you see in this text is you got to have both, both that he's good and that he's great. Because here's the problem. If he's good, but he's not great, that's kind of like God is your nice buddy. He's like your life coach, or he's your psychologist. It's nice and he's nice to snuggle with, but he's not big enough when the storm hits. But the flip side of that is also true, that if he's great, but he's not good, that's not real comforting either. Okay, he can do it, but maybe he's not related to me enough to actually want to do it. And um, what he says is he's great, he is good, but he's gotta be both. I remember when I think about uh, a God who is, uh, all right, he's, he's, he's not merciful, but he's great, I always think of the gladiator. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He's, he's like this wicked ruler in the movie, The Gladiator. And there's this one part where he, he's a murderous thug. He's all those things, but he's like, am I not merciful? I mean, that, and no, you're actually not merciful at all. Well, the good news of this text is you're going to see a God who is both good and a God who is great. Um, I didn't grow up in church. I know some of you did, some of you didn't. Um, I didn't grow up in church. And, but what we did do is we prayed before meals. And the prayer that we pray every meal is God is, what is it? God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. I'm not sure, it's kind of like a country song. It doesn't quite match good and food, but we tried it. So God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food, amen. That was, a, that was our prayer. So that prayer is actually what the outline of this is uh, today. Because what we're gonna see is in the gospel, God is a good God who pursues you, loves you, adopts you, lives for you, dies for you. 
but he's also a great king who is resurrected from the grave, rules forever, and is returning one day to make all things right. Uh, a guy named A.W. Tozer, like a preacher many, many years ago, he said, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And so let me, let me kind of pose the question to you. What do you think about when you think about God? What comes to your mind when you think about God? That can vary tremendously. Some of you think about the fundamentalist, angry preacher who is like super, super harsh, legalistic, all truth, no grace at all. Others of you think of God as kind of the progressive hippie Jesus that went to Cal Berkeley and is nice to everybody and there's not a judgmental bone in his body. So whatever it is, we want to get that from the text, all right? So what do you think about when you think about God? And what I want to just show you is that God is great and God is good. So Luke chapter 12, we're still working through the text. Uh, verse 22, let me start this off. It says, and he said to his disciples, let's, let's stop there for a second. And he said to his disciples, disciple just means a learner. Back then it meant Jesus was the rabbi and these people would attach themselves to the rabbi and they'd follow him around so that they would then emulate their rabbi. Now what it means in the biblical sense of the word here is a follower of Jesus. And the follower of Jesus is like, you know what, I, I, I'm a, I know that I follow Jesus. Now, you, you can only answer that. I can't answer that. Your mama can't answer that. You can answer that. But if you skipped ahead about 11 chapters, you would see a scene where Jesus is dying on the cross and one thief is on one side and one thief's on the other side. One thief rejects Jesus and the other one says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So before we even really jump and get into the text, if, if you're not a Christ follower, if you don't think you are, I mean, there's a good and gracious and great God who loves you and died for you and is calling for you. And if you're like, I don't know him, you can know him. And all that, it's not super complicated. It's just like in, for you to be able to confess to him in some way, what Jesus did on that cross 2,000 years ago, it counted for me. It's for you to tell God, you know what? When Jesus says, it is finished, when he said, it is finished, uh, then that, that, counts, that counts for me. And you can do that right there in your living room and just say, Jesus, right now I'm embracing you as my savior. Make me the person you want me to be. I want to follow you as Lord, God, and King. All right, that's... That's what it means to be a Christ follower. So he starts it off saying, he said to his disciples, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. So simple outline, first part of the outline. God is good. God is good. Before the end of the message, I want you to be able to say, I want you to be able to talk with your kids. You know, what, what was the sermon about today? Well, it was about that God is good and God is great. So God is good. He says, do not be anxious. The word anxious there means to tear apart or distract or to come apart at the seams uh, of a garment. It's the idea of, it's not the idea of not planning. It's the idea of not panicking. Um, they did a poll actually before this, all this stuff started. It was way back in 2018. And they asked, what are the biggest areas that make Americans in particular anxious. And it was interesting. It said the top areas of anxiety for Americans are health, money, and politics. And I'm like, we have the trifecta right now because it has to do with health, it has to do with money, and it certainly has gotten very, very political. 
Well, here's what Jesus says about it, about God is good. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And he says, then of how much more value are you than the birds? I kind of hone in on that phrase, how much more value are you than the birds? Jesus is making an argument from the lesser to the greater, okay? He's saying, you know what? If he cares for the birds, he's gonna care for you. Never really, I never really thought about this and actually until I got married and then actually recently, I mean, we've been married for 30 years, but it seems like in the last three years, my wife has gotten interested in birds. For 27 years, she was scared of birds. And now we got like bird feeders all over our deck. I mean, it's all over the porch. They're coming from everywhere, bird poop everywhere, all this stuff, but you know, happy wife, happy life. So I'm trying to keep her happy, but she's telling me all about these birds and how they're just like, they just don't have a care in the world. They come in there and they, and they just eat and they just, they fly off and they do the same thing. And what, what God's saying here is, Jesus is saying, listen, if, if God's taking care of the birds, if he's taking care of the birds, don't you think he will take care of you? Now, we're taking a little jump from Romans chapter eight, but this week we were gonna look at Romans 8.32, which says the same argument. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also give him graciously, give to us all things? What he's saying is, listen, if, if God would send his great son to be humiliated on the cross for you, will he not also take care of the details of your life? I think about it with my kids. When our kids were small, we used to take them. Uh, when we lived in Texas, they were small. We would save up almost all year to go to this pretty fancy place near San Antonio called the Hyatt Hill Country. I mean, it was way out of our range, but what we would do is we would save up, save up, save up, save up. And then when we were ready to go, we would figure out exactly when the checkout time is. We would get there right at checkout time. We'd save money by packing lunches to eat them on the way, but we'd get there and we would just max it out. It had water slides, it had all this awesome stuff. But invariably we would fall behind the schedule and we would fall behind the schedule of dinner time and it'd get later than we normally eat. They would start to kind of whine and complain. It's like, dad, we're starving. Are we not gonna eat? Are we not gonna eat? And typically I held my tongue, but what I was tempted to say is, are you kidding me? Do you think that we saved up all this money, brought you to this swanky place only to starve you? Do you think that we went through all these lazy rivers? Do you think that we drove for four hours just so that we could come here and not feed you dinner? Of course not. And so what you're, saying, what you're saying here in the text is surely if God cares enough to send his son to die on a cross for us, then we can trust him with our bills and with our marriage and with the pandemics that we can actually trust him. Why? Because he is good. All right, next verse, verse 25. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. We'll come back to that because some of your translations say cubits. Like what's a cubit? Is it somebody with a bow and arrow that comes out on Valentine's Day? What is that? Verse 26. If then you were not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And then he does the same lesser to greater argument. He says, consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon's like a super rich king way back in the Old Testament. In all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Listen, real quickly, it doesn't mean you don't do anything. We'll talk about that in a second. It doesn't mean you don't do anything. It doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean if you don't have a job, you don't put a resume together. It doesn't mean if you want a date, you don't brush your teeth. I mean, it doesn't mean any of that stuff. You do some stuff. There's some stuff God wants you to do. But in this text, there's a little bit of a 
argument about does it mean a single hour or a single cubit? And the reason it's not really that super important because it can go either way. Some people say it's the, because a cubit is basically 18 inches, all right? It's basically from your elbow to the end of your, of your hand. And um, one commentator said if it had to do with actually length, uh, that would play as well because back then, remember the Romans occupied Jerusalem, they occupied Palestine and all that. And, and when they did that, Jews were typically much shorter than the Romans. An average Jewish man back in those days was just a little bit over five feet tall from what most commentators say. And when they would do that, the Romans were typically taller and brawnier. And so Jesus is talking to a bunch of Jews who were so upset that for the, all of their life, these oppressors that were on them, they were having to look, they could never even look them eye to eye. And Jesus is like, listen, you can worry all you want. You can be anxious all you want. You can fret all you want. That is not gonna grow you one inch at all. I remember my wife's, uh, my wife's uh, brother, Blaine, he played basketball in college and he was only 6'2", and he always wanted to be listed higher. And so what he would do, he got these shoes that had these hooks at the end. And I remember the first time when we were starting to dating, I walked into their house and there he is hanging from a doorstop. And his idea was, this can make me taller. This can make me taller. And he's like, I gotta get taller. I gotta get taller. It's gonna stretch the bones. You know, Blaine 6'2 the whole time. And what Jesus is saying is less anxiety is not going to change any of this stuff. It's not gonna help. So here's the way he kind of starts to go toward the end. Verse 28, but if God so closed the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. They would use that for fuel sometime. How much more, there's the key phrase again, how much more will he clothe you? And here's the phrase, O you of little faith. So how much, how much more? In other words, freaking out for the Christian. Let me just be blunt. Freaking out for the Christian. Living in fear for the Christian is, is irrational. It's irrational for, it means that you believe that, okay, God can take me to heaven, but he can't deal with my stuff on earth. It means I'm thinking that God can deliver me somehow from damnation, but he can't actually deal with some of the details in my life. And so when God says, don't be anxious, he's saying, listen, I got this, all right? I got this. It'd be like if you and I went out to lunch. If we went out to lunch and all of a sudden you're like, man, I forgot my wallet back at the office. If I said, don't worry about it, just don't worry about it. You would assume what I meant was I was gonna take care of it. I mean, how embarrassing would it be as if all of a sudden the waiter brings us the checks and gives your check and my check and I start to get up and you're like, hey, you told me not to worry about it. I'm like, well, I didn't say I was gonna pay for it. You're like, that's just a cruel joke. That's a cruel joke. In the same way, when God says, listen, be anxious for nothing. He's saying, listen, I got this. I'm, I will take care of this. To act otherwise is acting like a Christian atheist which is actually what he says in verse 30. Here's what he says. For all the nations of the world seek after those things, but your father knows that you need them. Now, keep in mind, this, there's a parallel passage to this that some of you might be more familiar with in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Don't turn there. I'm just gonna read you one verse. Sometimes people do kind of panic a little bit when they think, well, wait a minute, this is in two different gospels. Think about it this way. It is in Matthew 6. It's also here in Luke 12. God gave us Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of overlap, all right? They're called synoptic gospels. There's a lot of parallel stories, but they have different details in them. And the way it's maybe easy to remember is, uh, think about it this way. All, when, you, when you think about uh, highlights of maybe football games, uh, if, if you have this, you could have the same game, but you're gonna have maybe a different package of highlights 
on different channels. Like ESPN, they're going to maybe show a different set of highlights than Fox Sports does, all right? So like, let's, let's say they're covering a Panthers game. Uh, ESPN might show the two touchdowns uh, Christian McCaffrey scores rushing. That might be ESPN. Fox, they show the two touchdowns Christian McCaffrey scored uh, receiving, catching the ball. Because you know all the touchdowns are going to be scored by Christian McCaffrey because he was all we got. But same game, different details. And Matthew gives us a different detail. Here's what he says. For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, the Gentiles were the idea of pagans. They didn't know God. And so he's saying, stop acting like a Christian atheist. Do what you can, do what you can, and then just trust God with the rest. Do what you can, and then trust God with what you can't do. You've got a good shepherd who will guide you. You've got a good father. He will not neglect you. So let's take a dry run. Um about what you can do and what you got to trust God with. You really got to trust God with everything, but what you got to really commit to him. So let's take this. Um, cancer. All right. I had cancer actually about seven years ago. Was there some stuff I could do? Of course. Of course there was. You, you talk to the doctors, you get the best experts that you can, you get the most education that you can, you get the treatments that you can, but can you guarantee you're going to get a heal from cancer? You can't. All right. You got to trust God with that. You got to give that to God. Obviously, with this pandemic, what can you do? You can follow the CDC guidelines, all right? You can follow the World Health Organization guidelines. You can wash your hands, which, by the way, that's already a silver lining because a couple of weeks ago, I was going through the airport and uh, when it was kind of on the front end and uh, went into the men's room and I was washing my hands and I looked around. And here's a little tip. Only about 50% of men in airports wash, ever used to wash their hands. Ladies, I know that's probably just grossing you out. It's just true, all right? 50%'s being generous. But two weeks ago when I'm going through there, it's like 99% wearing there, 20 seconds, warm water. Okay, so when it comes to this, do what you can do. Can you guarantee? Can you guarantee, you know what, I'm not gonna get? You can't guarantee you're not gonna get it. Just give that to God and trust that to God. What about retirement? You're like, man, my 401k is tanking. Well, hey, it's up again. Well, it's tanking again. What can you do? What can you do? Well, you obviously can do some stuff. You can rearrange some things in your finances. You can tighten your belt a little bit, all right? Don't stop sponsoring that compassion child, all right? Don't do that. But you can tighten your belt in some things, but you can't guarantee, you can't make some things happen. You entrust that to God. God, I'm gonna give you this. I gotta try. I've done what I can do and I'm gonna trust you with it. I think a lot of times parents do this when your kids are small. I mean, you wanna protect them from everything and you do wanna protect them. You're their authority. You're supposed to protect them. And so you, what can you do? You can raise them in the Lord. You can make them a part of Awana and youth group. You can protect them. You can disciple them. But you can't, there's a time where you can't totally protect them from every contingency. And that's what some of you need to do. You just, God, I'm going to give you my kid. I'm going to give you my kid. I'm going to do all I can, but I'm going to give you my kid. So uh, you got to get down two things. God is good. And then before we close, let me just give you this second one. And that is this. Not only is God good, but God is great. God's a great God. Did you notice that in the text? It's not just that God is good. God is a great God. Here's the way he ends the story. Verse 31 and 32. See if you notice what's uh, repeated. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. And then he does the verse we started with. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What's the king? He's talking about a king here. The king's the ruler of all. King doesn't answer to anybody. 
Our king, he is sovereign. That's the word the Bible uses for, for our king. He is sovereign. It means he's in control. It means he's not up in heaven right now, pacing up and down. He's not sitting there wringing his hands, sweating, figuring out, what am I going to do with this COVID pandemic? He's not doing that. I assure you he's not doing that. There's a song that um, the Biltmore Worship guys wrote. This probably of the ones we've written is probably my favorite. It's, it's What King Is This? It's the one that's, I know it's the one that's got the most downloads. It's got like a hundred and some odd thousand downloads, all right? And, the, and part of it is like, it says, what king is this who gave his life in exchange for mine? I mean, just that in and of itself. I mean, that's the gospel. What kind of king would actually give his life for his servants? And that's our king. That's our king. Let me ask you a quick question, a little Bible trivia here. Of all the things that our king said, of all the, thing, all the commands, all the guidelines, all the encouragement, all the promises, of all the stuff he said, what do you think the king, what command do you think the king gave most often? Some of you are like, well, he said, go to church or give money or tell people about Jesus or be holy or read your Bible. And all those things are good. I mean, you should read your Bible, all right? You should go to church, all right? You should be sacrificial and generous. All those things are good, but they're not the number one thing, at least in terms of volume, that he actually commanded us. The number one command in terms of volume in the Bible is fear not. 366 times, one for every day of the year plus leap year, he says, fear not. And why is that important? Because what do we fear? All right, we fear the future is what we fear. We don't fear the past. We regret the past at times, but we don't fear it because it's done. All right. We don't fear the present because we kind of experience the present where we are. We're upset about the present, but we don't fear it, so to speak. What we do, we, we, fear, we fear what will happen next. What will happen next? So ask yourself this question. What is it that is causing me to be pulled apart at the seams? What is it that is causing me to have my joy suffocated? What is it that is causing me to not glorify my king in front of my friends and family. What is it? Take, name that one. For some of you, it is your health and you're just, you're, you're just paralyzed by this. Some of it is your, your finances right now. You're paralyzed by it. Some of you, it is your marriage. Some of it's your kids. Some of it's, you just, you just name it. So what do you do? Do what you can do. I mean, the, the text says, you know, seek the kingdom of God. So do what you can for the glory of God. What should you do? What are some action steps? We've taken some action steps, right? We've taken some action. Do what you can for the glory of God. But at some point, and for, for us control freaks like me, this is popping the balloon of the illusion of control that we thought we had anyway. Because you're not, this just shows us, you know, you could do what you can, but you're, you and I are not in control. God's in control. And so do what you can for the glory of God. But then at some point, you've got to trust God with it and say, God, there is nothing more I can do. I trust you. You're a good, great God. You care for me. You also can make a difference. I mean, you talk about a Snuggie, those Snuggies that used to advertise. That's a Snuggie for your soul. It's like, all right, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what God tells me to do for his glory. But it, bottom line is, when I've done what I can do, God, i got to entrust this with you. So a lot of times our church, it's been helpful, especially uh, you know, when you're going through some anxiety or you've got a teaching you want to summarize a little bit, is to put a prayer together 
that maybe, uh, and I'm sure it'll be where you can copy it and put it on your mirror. Uh, this would be something I've tried to phrase it in a way that you can look at it virtually every day. And this would just be a prayer for anxious times, crazy times uh, such as this. So uh, here's what it is and then I'll pray for us. It says, Sovereign God, I rejoice today that you are good and you are great. That's what you gotta know. I'm rejoicing today, not because stocks are up, not because this thing is over. I'm rejoicing today because I have a good God and I have a great God. You care and you can. So here's the petition. Help me today to walk by faith and not by fear. I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm not gonna walk by fear. I'm walking by faith in a good and great God. And then the last part just says, for the glory of my Savior and King. And that's what it's about. That's what God wants to, us to do during this time, during these times where everybody else is super anxious. He wants us to be, you know, it's like, why are you different? What is distinct? And it's for the glory of our King, for the glory of our Savior. And then obviously it's gonna be in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us. And um, thanks for joining us online, all right? Anyway, thank you. Father, thanks for the uh, folks that are tuning in today. Gotta pray that the word of God would minister to their soul and as it has mine. Gotta pray you would help them uh, remember over and over and over again in the days ahead that you care and you can. You are great and you are good. Gotta pray for even the discussions that parents have with kids in the next few minutes as they disciple the kids you've blessed them with. I want to pray so much as the days uh, come up that you would give us opportunities to minister to our friends and our family uh, and also to our communities here in Western North Carolina. Uh, God, allow us to have just unspeakable joy. Help us to have a great sense of peace and calmness no matter what the circumstances are. And we can do so not because necessarily what the Dow Jones is doing, or even uh, how close we are to getting this pandemic under control, but it would be the fact that we have a God who saves us, a God who loves us, a God who has adopted us. I pray particularly for the, some of the folks that prayed to receive Christ and embraced Him by repentance and faith, even in this message, that you'd allow us to minister to them, get them started off on a great journey uh, that they're on, help them to put the comment down or let us know by direct message or whatever it is that you would... Uh, help them to do. But we love you. We look forward to the days ahead. We look even for the devotional uh, tomorrow morning. Encourage our souls with that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.